The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The beat rolls on, ladies and germs. It's Wednesday, the middle of the week here on Fantasy NBA Today. No longer do we hold the fantasy. We're fully into the offseason now. I'm Dan Baspers. Thanks so much for listening, as always, everybody. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you have any desire to follow me on Twitter, that's how you spell the name. You can also just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That tends to be a pretty easy way to locate your old buddy, Danny Boy. Hoopball, you can follow on Twitter at HoopballTweets. Or hoopball fantasy now. I guess we could transition back to that if we wanted to. We don't have to, but we could. What do I choose? I'm in charge of this show. What do I choose? I choose hoopball tweets. I choose hoopball tweets, and I'll tell you why at the outset here. I choose hoopball tweets because I want to spend copious amounts of time this offseason hammering into you guys that you absolutely, positively must follow Hoop Ball Gaming. They're up to 868 followers now, which is not bad, considering we uh, had no gaming presence prior to a few months ago. Uh, and they just keep winning. They just keep winning, man. I mean, between Ira and Devin and Troy... I have stats now that I can start to use when we talk about these dudes, just how many units they're winning. The NFL, they're crushing. Ira has Ira killed the NBA. Uh, Ira killed hockey. Devin has been blasting baseball and college football. Troy, I think he had a clean sweep in the Champions League in soccer. So please go check out Today in Sports Betting. You can follow all their episodes. That's the name of the podcast. Their their Twitter feed is at Hoopball Gaming. We'll be talking about it a lot during this offseason because they don't have an offseason. There's always a sport happening. Uh, they got college football happening um, today. Baseball today. Golf. I almost forgot about golf. Football. Pro, uh, pro football, I should say. The NFL. Uh, soccer still happening. There's no off season when you work in sports betting, which is part of why you got to have so much respect for those dudes. They're just grinding every day. No off season and winners every day. It's awesome. Uh, so when you're following those guys, make sure to do so over at mybookie.ag. Use promo code hoopball when you sign up to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and to let them know that we sent you um, I think I got down on a raise wager the other day following one of those dudes, and that won me a couple of bucks. I didn't handicap that baseball game. I just tailed them. And they're giving it all away for free right now. This is this is the perfect time. And if you listen to their podcast, that's that's how you get the deep insight on these things. And Devin's putting together these, these amazing breakdowns, these written breakdowns of what he's looking at on the college slate. I love it. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. I think they have another free blackjack tournament open. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it start, it's every Wednesday. It runs Wednesday through Thursday at mybookie.ag. So they have a free blackjack tournament happening right now. They have two of them. 
oh my gosh, how did I not see that before? They have two free blackjack tournaments going right now. So you can get in on those. Opportunity to win actual cash into your account without any buy-in. Just so many good reasons to check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag and at HoopBallGaming. I mean, look, they're going to get you winners, and my bookie's going to pay you. It's so easy. It's like taking candy from a baby. But anyway, we're not deep into the betting stuff right now on this particular podcast because the basketball offseason is upon us, and as you saw and heard on yesterday's show, we are into a little stretch right now um, where the we're breaking down the right way to describe it. I guess it's themes. It's team themes. Wasn't supposed to rhyme, but that's how we got there. Yesterday, we did the Lakers and Clippers just to sort of ease into this process. And what this process is, it's a key element of handicapping teams, particularly early round draft picks, meaning what happened to a team this year and how does that reflect upon what might happen to that team next year? In particular, how they use their players. So, for example, and I'm sure most of you guys listened to yesterday's podcast, so I'm not going to go deep dive on teams we've already covered. But just as an example to let you guys know what basically what we're doing here, the Clippers, we talked about yesterday, had a up-and-down regular season, a bumpy regular season that saw them uh, well, kind of struggle on the road. You know, eight games over 500 isn't bad on the road, but... You know, they were 27-9 and at home. They were five games worse than that away. It really was just about having their guys healthy and playing together. They had no continuity, and then there was, of course, the, the playoff meltdown. So that's a team that comes into next year with a sour taste in their mouths, with a look of aggression. They want to get back at everybody that laughed at their demise. They want to show the universe that the Clippers are not the team they all saw in the bubble playoffs, but in fact are a team bent on a, a mission of destroying the rest of the league. So when I look at the Clippers next year, I think I take what happened to them this season and I say this is a team that's going to overperform the regular season next year. This is a team with things to prove. Now, Kawhi Leonard is always going to have his rest days, so that mitigates that a little bit. But I think Paul George is ripe for a bounce-back year for all of those reasons. Injury, coming off of injury last year, uh, coming off of embarrassment. There's all these reasons for him to want to play in as many games as humanly possible. That's a big deal for early-round draft picks and to play well. So that's kind of what we're doing here. And we're just going to work our way down the board. And at some point in the middle of the show, I'm going to say, okay, that's as much as I want to do today. And we're going to go along to the next one. That's how it's going to work. I have decreed that that's how it's going to work. And so um, that's where we're at. Uh, by the way, this is also a really good time to let you guys know that because of weird blackout restrictions on games, this is a great time to sign up for ExpressVPN, one of our partners here at HoopBall. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall. ExpressVPN.com slash HoopBall. You get 15 months of membership for the price of 12. Sign up for the one-year deal. You get an extra three free months tacked on to the end of it. It protects your internet privacy it gives you, I should say, internet privacy. It protects you from prying eyes. If you're using streaming services or torrenting or whatever it is 
that you might be doing, don't let Big Brother watch you while it's happening. It's a really cool tool. I've been using it on my laptop, not so much here on my recording machine. Uh, but, I mean, literally anytime I'm streaming something, I turn that on, and now nobody knows either where I am, what I'm watching. It's really nice to not have someone looking over your shoulder. Because on the internet right now, everybody's watching everything you do. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball. Sorry, I wanted to sneak that in there. The Denver Nuggets are the next team on our list as we work our way down the Western Conference. And they're an interesting case study because even this year, uh, you actually had Nuggets playing basically as many games as humanly possible. It surprised me a little bit. Um, if only because the Nuggets felt like a team that sort of already proved themselves during the regular season the previous year. Remember, Denver had a good regular season in 2018-2019. Um, they were the two seed in the Western Conference behind the Warriors at 54-28. and 28. They were brilliant at home, 34-7, and seven, and they were rat poopy on the road at 20-21. and 21. Really close, by the way, last year to what the Blazers did. 32-9 and nine at home. They were 21-20 and 20 on the road. So, the, you know, very minor flip-flop between those two teams. The only team last year in the whole Western Conference that was actually good on the road was basically the Warriors. Clippers were uh, okay, by the way, on the road. We're talking about way back. This is 2018-2019 now, not this most recent season, the previous one. Uh, Rockets were three games over 500, But really no one in the Western Conference showed the kind of road warrior status that this year you got from the Lakers in a huge way, 27-9 and nine on the road during the regular season. And then you actually had a number of Western Cup. Mavs were nine games over 500 on the road and kind of bad at home, oddly enough, this year. Jazz were five games over 500 on the road. Rockets, Nuggets, four games over. Clippers, eight games over 500. Thunder were seven games over 500. There were a lot of teams in the Western Conference that were actually decent on the road this year after uh, a previous season where really only one team was. So that was kind of weird, but not really what we're talking about right now. The reason we brought this up is that the Nuggets, after their big number two seed in the West uh, last season, not this most recent one, I thought they would come into this year with a little bit of a letdown regular season atmosphere. Kind of, we've already shown we can be very good in the regular season. This is our focus on the playoffs kind of year. And instead, you got this weird... Uh, for the first, like, 80% of the season, the Nuggets team that really wasn't firing on all cylinders on offense, but was firing on most cylinders on defense. They were they had ratcheted up their defense. It looked like that was something they were really working on. And they went 19 games over 500 and got the three seed. So they were pretty good, even if they weren't quite as laser-focused as last year. And what we saw, by the way, once they got into the playoffs is they did crank it up another level. They they got to the Western Conference Finals, gave the Lakers a pretty good push before ultimately falling short there. So I think to a certain degree we were right about the Nuggets in the regular season in that they didn't take it quite as seriously as you know maybe the Lakers did this year. We saw the Lakers put that higher effort into the regular season. Um but they also didn't totally coast because they still had things they were working on. 
And the way we can definitively say they didn't coast during the regular season is that Nikola Jokic played in all 73 games for Denver during the regular year. All 73. He didn't miss a single game, bubble or otherwise. Average 20, 10, and 7. 1.8 defensive stats, good percentages in both, and one three-pointer per game. Uh, ended up at number 10 on a per game, but because he played in 73 games, which was effectively the most of anyone in the whole damn NBA, I don't know if anybody, I don't know if any teams even played more than 73 games. I think that was the max. Did anybody clear 73 games this year? Um, I don't think so. I mean, certainly a handful of teams didn't make the bubble, so they weren't going to hit 73 games. Bucks had 73. Pacers had 73. Yeah, I think that was the most. So I think Nikola Jokic actually played the most games or tied for playing the most games of anyone in the entire NBA with uh, Mikhail Bridges, Duncan Robinson, Justin Holiday. I mean, these are not. Hey, Maxi Kleba. He played 74. Is that possible? The Mavs have 74 games this year. Oh, Mavs played 75. Whoops. My bad, guys. Mavs, <laughs> Mavs were loaded up. Goodness. Boy, if Luka Doncic stayed healthy, that was sky's the limit there. In any event, uh, so Jokic played among the most games of anyone in the NBA at 73, and so by totals, he actually rocketed up to number four. Uh, also of note, when you're looking at the Nuggets this year, Jamal Murray, who did miss some time, played in 59 games. Paul Millsap missed a bunch of time. He played in 51 games. Jeremy Grant didn't really step into the limelight until very late in the year. He played in 71 games for the Nuggets. And then perennial underachiever Gary Harris, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's always out. So do we really even care? 56 is the total on Gary Harris. Now, the issue for those guys wasn't that they didn't want to be on the floor, that they were getting rest days. The issue with those guys, they were actually hurt. The fact that anyone on the Nuggets, let alone their best player, played in all 73 games was surprising to me. I thought that a guy like Jokic would get a game or two off here and there. But, of course, Denver always has the incentive, you know, before a pandemic, of wanting home court advantage. They're a far better team at altitude than they are on the road. They were better on the road this year than they had been in previous years, but they were still five and a half, six games better at home than they were away from the Mile High setup. They're always better at home. Always. The Jazz are usually in that mix as well, although the Jazz were sort of a weirdo team this year. The Nuggets are just a far better home team. So maybe that's the part of this that I overlooked, which is even when they're coasting a little bit, this is still a team that desperately wants home court as long as possible. So they're going to be gunning for that one, two, generally the one or two, every year. This year, they just they didn't have their guys long enough. They missed Jamal Murray for 15, 20 games. They missed Gary Harris for parts of the season. They missed Will Barton uh, for the bubble stretch. Although he was, I guess, a little healthier before the bubble. He played in 58 of their uh, 65 pre-bubble games. They just, this wasn't a super healthy team, uh, but they put up pretty good numbers anyway. So looking towards next year, 
The Nuggets are an interesting case study because they had a really good bubble run. The regular season might feel a little bit, I don't know, almost surreal for particularly Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, who had to play so hard in the playoffs this year. I mean, Jamal Murray was playing, uh, what, like 42, 43 minutes a game during those playoff games, 44, 45 sometimes. The regular season is going to feel like a cakewalk. And it, and it makes me wonder a tiny bit. It makes me wonder, because Jamal Murray only averaged 32 minutes a game during the regular season this year, which is way lower than what he was doing during the postseason. Does he come out next year and tell Michael Malone, look, like I, I can play 35, 36 minutes a game during the regular season. You can, you can get me out there for that chunk. Jokic was at 32 during the regular season as well. They won plenty of games, so you know that's going to drive the number down if there are blowouts or things of that nature. But do they take the regular season seriously? Do these guys find the regular season to be easier now that they're going to be facing largely defenses that are not keyed in on their main guys the way that the Lakers were in the playoffs? It's hard to say. One thing that I think is easier to say with this Denver team is it doesn't look like they're going to be a club that takes rest days. So if you're drafting someone like Nikola Jokic, you can draft him understanding that he's he's going to play almost every ball game. He's going to be gunning for 82. Jamal Murray, you know, assuming he gets healthy again, he's he's a tough customer. He's going to be gunning for 82. And then we'll see who else is actually on the roster behind those guys. Those are the, the, the dudes that are going to be getting drafted relatively early. So I don't know. You know, I, I think Denver getting as far as they did in the playoffs does take a little bit of the shine off the regular season. I would give those guys a very slight demotion because of storyline. But at the same time, did something also click for Jamal Murray? Do these guys work so hard at getting their teammates involved over a long regular season that you don't see that type of stuff carry over. I think I'm probably more in that camp. And so I I wouldn't expect the Nuggets to take the regular season hyper-seriously. That was a team that started to play a higher-tempo game as the season wore on. So there's also that element. And there's always the very slow Nikola Jokic starts. He might be a guy that gets drafted in the first round, starts slow, and you could pick him off with your second round guy. Actually, this is kind of fun, actually, for me. These, these, this narrative breakdown. Uh, the Houston Rockets, 44 and 28. We'll do them next. They were tied with the Thunder, and uh, I think they had a better conference record by a half game or something like that. So maybe they, uh, maybe they won the, the head-to-head matchup. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, Rockets were the four seed, so we'll just go with with that team. Um. New coach. I think that's all you really need to know about this team. They have a new coach, which means James Harden is still going to convince his coach to play him uh, 35 to 37 minutes a game, which is uh, just a a terrible decision on so many levels. Westbrook is going to get rest days, and they're going to be... They're not going to be that dissimilar from what they were this year. They got bounced in the playoffs in kind of the same way they always do. There, I mean, do we think James Harden adds some off-ball mobility to his game? I I mean, I think that's the way that he advances further in the playoffs. 
But is that what's actually going to be the takeaway from that Lakers series? I, I don't know. I think a lot of people were faulting Russell Westbrook for the Rockets losing that series. And yeah, I mean, he, was, he wasn't very good outside of, I think he went big in one ball game. The Lakers just sagged off of him and made him a jump shooter. But at the same time, that's something that the Lakers weren't going to be able to get away with if they didn't have extra bodies everywhere. The Lakers were basically playing five on four defensively. Once they got the ball out of Harden's hands, he just backed up and was the, he was an outlet at like 32 feet away from the bucket. He's way out there, way out there by center court. If Harden's moving and, and they're getting him the ball outside of just his traditional, you know, bounce, 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 isolation, maybe a pick and roll, whatever, there's so many more dimensions that that team can add. We'll see what whatever head coach comes in. We'll see what they do for the Rockets. This is a team that can't really move away from their small ball attack. I will say this, though, for Houston. Um, having a whole season of Rob Covington out there is going to be super fun. Hard Bespris target, Rob Covington. James Harden, he's going to have a pretty similar season. He's going to try to play in every ball game. They're going to they're going to try everything they can to force him to sit down, and he won't do it. Russell Westbrook's going to get overdrafted. Uh, he averaged twenty-seven, eight, and seven this regular season, which actually was not horrible compared to what it could have been. Uh, but he did miss some ball games. He's sitting out back to backs. I don't know that that's changing anytime soon. So uh, handle that accordingly. But Covington. And for the Rockets, I don't think storyline plays into their regular season all that much. I think this is a full-on just hit the reboot button and try again with some new offensive ideas behind their club. Otherwise, things stay not that far from what they were. The Thunder, same record. Uh, Jazz, by the way, also had the same record. The Thunder, same record as the Rockets at 44 and 28. The Thunder are a very, very interesting team this coming season because they are a team with question marks hanging over them. They're a team that I have to believe is hitting the rebuild button starting immediately. You know, they don't have the talent right now to go any farther than the second round of the playoffs. They were, they were pretty close to advancing past the Rockets, but the Thunder would have been obliterated by the Lakers obliterated as good as they played this year as great as Chris Paul was from a leadership standpoint as as good as Dennis Schroeder and Gallo and Shea looked for the Thunder they simply don't have the the star power to keep up with the top three or four teams in the Western Conference in fact when the playoffs started I thought the only the only team the Thunder would have dispatched of, and I felt pretty confident, was the Jazz. I think the Thunder would have beaten the Jazz. Other than that, I think they would have had a hell of a battle with the Blazers. Maybe they would have beaten them. Uh, Mavericks, I think, would have won if they stayed healthy. They would have beaten the Thunder. Rockets did beat the Thunder. Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, they all would have beaten the Thunder. So, yeah, they were the five seed, but weren't they really more like the seven or eight? And that's not changing. Going into next year, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is probably going to get a little bit better going into next season. But Chris Paul's not getting better. 
Steven Adams isn't getting better. Gallo's a free agent. Schroeder's not getting any better. This isn't a team that where you're like, oh, well, just, you know, keep playing together and the next step is attainable. The way you might look at a team like the Nuggets and say, oh, well, you know what? This is a team that's actually still getting better together. Uh, Paul Millsap is coming off the books. They're going to have to pay Jeremy Grant if they want to keep him there. But, you know, they've got they've got Will Barton, Gary Harris. Maybe they could turn those guys into something. If Barton was healthy, do they advance past the Lakers? Do they just push him a little bit harder? You know, the Nuggets are a team where you could argue they might actually have a better season next year without much changing. You can't argue that for the Thunder. And I think their front office knows that. This season, people were like, oh, is Chris Paul going to be on the move this year? There was almost no way they were going to be able to move him this season with still basically two more years on his deal. They have next year, Chris Paul's signed this coming season, and he has a $44 million player option for the year after that, which he will exercise as a 30, what, will be 36, 37 at that point? He'll exercise that deal. $44 million at 37 years old is a no-brainer. Well, it'll be a little bit easier to move Chris Paul because he's shown that he still has a lot left in the tank. There are teams out there, I mean... Eastern Conference in particular, there's a host of teams that could really use a guy like Chris Paul. The Bucks could have desperately used a Chris Paul in the playoffs this year. Honestly, the Heat could have used a Chris Paul in the playoffs this year. The Sixers could really use someone to orchestrate like that if they move away from the Ben Simmons mold. And we're only talking about teams that actually have championship aspirations. There are other teams that obviously could use his services. I just don't think they're going to shell out for him. Um, So when you look at a guy like Chris Paul, I think this coming season, there's about a 30% chance he gets traded. Maybe even a little bit higher. It might be 50-50. And you're like, Dan, what about that $44 million option? Yeah, it's a big deal, but at that point, he's an expiring contract. So it's a horrible number, and somebody's going to be swallowing it. But, you know, let's say, hypothetically... Let's say Chris Paul gets traded to the Bucks. I have no idea how financially these things make sense. I haven't run any trade simulators. But let's say he gets traded to the Bucks. Milwaukee has a deep playoff run. Uh, they look really, really good. Maybe they just hold on to him for another year. Or let's take the other side. Let's say he gets traded to the Bucks and it, it doesn't seem to be a very good fit and Chris Paul looks like he's getting old quickly. The following year, the Bucks could try to move him They could even uh, take on some bad contracts, send Chris Paul to a team that wants him as an expiring deal. It's a lot easier to trade an expiring contract, even if, it, even if it's a crazy high one. At that point, matching salaries becomes the hardest part. So I do think Chris Paul, there's a decent chance he gets traded this year. I also think there's a really good chance, and this one even higher. You know, Chris Paul having that extra year, the player option makes him a little bit more iffy. He probably gets moved. Call it 50-50. I think with Steven Adams, it's a higher than 50% chance he gets traded this year. It's a big contract, but it's expiring. So by the All-Star break, a team trading for Steven Adams is presumably only taking on like 4 or $5 million at the end of the contract, and then he's off the books. No big deal. Teams aren't going to give up a ton for a couple-month rental of a big man who... You know, his usefulness in the modern NBA is debatable as anything more than a defensive presence. But someone out there is going to want a bruiser. Hell, it might be a team like the Lakers. Maybe the Lakers will want a bruiser towards the end of the year. There are a lot of teams that could use a guy to, to knock people around and go get some rebounds. 
Dennis Schroeder, same kind of story. He's on an expiring deal this coming year. It's reset time in Oklahoma City. And so for that reason, I think you kind of throw out their playoff run and treat it almost exclusively as Chris Paul showing his value and then... I, you know, give him credit. He Chris Paul played his tail off this year, and he did so without demanding any kind of trade. Seemed like he was having fun with the young guys. But that was a one-year deal. That was like, look, I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to show you guys I still have game left. I'm going to teach the young guys. But you got to get me to a team that's that's got a shot to win. And I think that's going to be happening this coming season. So whatever you do with this Thunder team, as high as we were on Chris Paul last year, I am almost equally petrified of him this coming season. You're taking a huge risk. The risk doubling, tripling, because if they really are trying to move him, they're not going to run him out there for 30-plus minutes every single game. Chris Paul played 70 games this year. I think he missed one. Two? Sorry, he missed two. It's like the producer in my ear, but it's me looking at a website. He missed two games the whole damn year. Was one of them in the bubble? I don't recall. In any event, uh, yeah, he's not playing in like 95 to 100% of his games this coming season. It's not going to happen. His trade value tanks if he gets hurt, and they're going to want to move him. I could argue the same thing for Steven Adams. I could argue the same thing for Dennis Schroeder. These are very dangerous plays this coming season because of missed games, potential trades to a team where they're no longer getting the role that they had on the Thunder. And I, I would consider dodging almost all of those guys, regardless of what the storyline was this last year. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, on the other hand, uh, he's primed to start off the year strong and then step into maybe even a larger role as the season goes on. There are going to be some young guys on this club that are worth taking a look at as guys you kind of stash for a little bit later in the year. Darius Baisley might creep into that discussion. I mean, they're... Like, if they start moving these guys, the, the contract situation for the Thunder goes from a, spending a truckload to nothing over the next year and a half. Is Lugans Dort going to develop any kind of offensive game? I don't, think I'd, I don't think I'd count on it. I mean, if you move Steven Adams, you probably see a fair number of Hamadou Jallo minutes. Unless they bring Nerlens Noel back. So keep a close watch on this Thunder team. This is This is the... Like, maybe we go young, stash some guys scenario, but we'll know more after free agency, uh, and, we'll, and we'll definitely know more at, at the All-Star break, but that's a long time from now. We don't even know when that is. That might be June next year. Who knows? What are we at here? Give you a quick, give you a quick sideburn trimmer ad, and then we'll do one more team. We'll wrap it up for the day. So this is fun, actually. This is, this is taking longer than I expected, which means we've got... Uh, We've got material, more material than I realized. Uh, please, by the way, guys, this is, I need you guys' help once again, and I, I left you guys alone. We were giving you kind of, you know, cut and dry ad reads here over the last couple of weeks. But our deal with Manscaped is up for review, which means we need you guys getting your sideburn trimmers this month. The month of October is a big one, and I'll bug you about it again in a month or two uh, if things are going well. If you have considered at all upgrading your hygiene situation, your facial hair, your neck hair, back hair, whatever it is, if you want to go below the belt, I know that's their shtick at manscaped.com. 
this is your time to do it because you can still get 20% off and free shipping on your order. The Lawnmower 3.0 built-in waterproof, pinch-free technology, a 90-minute battery life, and an LED. It's cool, man. It's really neat. So get one. You can also get their uh, nose hair trimmer. They've got a nail kit. Actually, I was considering getting one of those for myself. First, I was thinking I might hit up our contact over there and say, hey, can you send me a nail kit? But maybe I'll just go get one and use the promo code myself. HoopBall20 is the promo code. HoopBall20 gets you 20% off and free shipping. I've been cutting my fingernails with a fish line clipper uh, pretty much since I was a kid. And the problem is that thing rusts. I think I'm putting rust under my fingernails, and that's probably a bad idea. So I'm going to head on over to manscaped.com after I finish today's podcast, and I'm going to get myself a luxury nail kit. That's right. Got to take care of yourself. Got to pamper. Got to have some nice nails over here. Hoopball20, manscaped.com. Go check it out right now. They're a great company. They got great products, and I think I'm going to go get one for myself, actually, right after the show today. One more team. We'll talk one more team here before we wrap things up on today's podcast. And that last team is the Jazz. The Jazz. The Utah Jazz actually looked a little better in the playoffs than they had during the regular season. But everything, uh, there's, man, I, I don't know with this team. There's something, there's something about that team this year that was just a weird fit. So, uh, Mike Conley is technically signed for $34.5 million this coming year. There's, uh, I believe there's an early termination option on his contract, but I don't I don't know ex- exactly what that means. I believe it's a player option. I believe. I might be getting that wrong. And if it's a player option, he's going to take it because he didn't look like a guy that needed $34.5 million last year. Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, uh, Donovan Mitchell, all of those guys are back with the Jazz this coming year. The contracts that are coming off the books for Utah are uh, largely smaller ones. Jordan Clarkson, $13.5 million. That's off the books. Uh, other other guys' contracts are slowly increasing, so they really have almost no cap space available. Having a healthy boy on Bogdanovich was a really big deal for them. If he was healthy during the playoffs, they might have snuck past the Nuggets in that first round. Gobert is on the last year of his deal. I don't think this team is blowing anything up. I think they're content to be pretty good every year. I don't think they're getting over the hump anytime soon with these particular guys. But from a what-can-they-do standpoint, um, you know, you you probably get a better year out of Mike Conley. There's a bounce-back thing that's, that's likely set to happen there. That hurts Joe Ingles in a big way. So Conley... Boyan Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert in the starting lineup. And then the only real question was, we, you know, we saw Royce O'Neal, who signed a, an extension, uh, have a really nice playoff bubble run. But I only wonder, I really do wonder, how much of that had to do with Boyan Bogdanovich being out. Is, is O'Neal actually going to be out there enough this coming season to do the rebounding thing? But look, we're not going to get into that. It, the deep dive on these players is going to come after free agency, so we'll, we'll sort of recycle through these teams, probably you know two by two or whatever. Uh, whenever free agency is, we can make a plan from there. Uh, Jordan Clarkson coming off the books doesn't change things for most of these guys all that much, and their their short playoff run doesn't change things all that much. This is a team that's going to want to have home court advantage. They're a team that's not good enough to screw around, and so if people are healthy, they're going to be in. 
they're a pretty easy team to handicap this coming season. So that uh, that's an easy one. We can pretty much gloss over the Jazz. And that's our show for this fine Wednesday. Tomorrow uh, is Thursday, and Friday comes after. Thursday, October the 15th. We're halfway through the month starting tomorrow. We'll break down the next few teams on our list, and frankly, we'll just see how far we get. We didn't do as many as I wanted today. That was only four? Yeesh. All right, we're going to try to get through five or six tomorrow. I think a few of these will go faster because some of these teams had either interesting or, or not interesting or non-existent playoff runs. But I could be wrong. I don't know. There's a lot to discuss on these teams. Man, I wish they'd give us a timeline. Please, NBA, may I have a timeline? Please, NBA, may I have another? I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We're talking fantasy again these days. Isn't it nice? Normalcy. At Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hey, again, follow at Hoopball Gaming. It's really important to me that you guys check them out uh, and go place your bets with our buddies at mybookie.ag, promo code Hoopball. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Enjoy baseball playoffs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.